Hey, everybody, this is Steve Orgiri, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me in the Zoom room to promote his new and first proper solo album entitled Seven Ways Till Sunday, please welcome Mr. Steve Augieri. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Pat? Hey, everybody. How are you all doing? From Staten Island, New York, New York City. Nice. Nice. And happy Valentine's Day. This is it. This is the big day. You know, I was I was reflecting on Valentine's Day. And, you know, this is especially, especially for kids having that first love of their life. Do you remember back then? And, uh, wow, that was an incredible time. And then, uh, you know, some people are still finding love at, at, at age 60, 70, 80. And holy cow, big ups to them. A big cheers to them. Can you imagine? <laughs> and Steve, you make the world go around. You've been married for a while, I believe. Correct. How long has it been? 35 years to a very special lady that has been with me through my ups and downs. And uh, but more better than that, has supported me and uh, has always been a, a shot of encouragement and confidence. So that's really so. But you know what? You know, I turned to the other day and, um, you know, I just turned 64. Not 24, but 64. And uh, I turned to my wife. I said, you know what? One thing we have that really, really brings us through all these decades and all these years is you and I, we still make each other laugh. And it's a fact. I mean, we're very silly people. We go around the house or we we make up little songs about our dog and our cat or each other. And which it's kind of, you know, it's kind of silly, but it's... Uh, it just, it is what it is. And it's a beautiful thing, frankly, I'll be honest with you. So that's my gal, Lydia. Well, that's the, it's the little things. And I've been married, it'll be 25 years this year. Beautiful. And Great. you're not that much older than me. I'll be 59 next week. And okay. it's the same thing with me and my wife, Pilar. We make each other laugh. We have fun together. I mean, I always say you, you have to like the person before you can love them. So True, true. And I'll tell you another thing. This was also another big revelation was that um, when we got all shut down in 2020, and if you were able to make it through two to three years of isolation and yeah. being under the same roof, because I would always run out every every weekend to do our weekend warrior thing and um, come back. And of course, that kind of, you know, it just, it was a buffer of sorts. Yeah, but if you're able to stay under the same roof with the same person for two to three years, that was a huge litmus test. And again, it was also a big revelation to me. And uh, and uh, you know, we made it through. And uh, I'm sure, sadly, just like a lot of businesses and a lot of uh, yeah, just like your favorite restaurants couldn't yeah. you know sustain themselves. Imagine the the um, 
the uh, the marriages along the way in the relationship. So if you made it great, if you didn't, that's okay too, because that's what Valentine's Day about. If you don't have a new love, go out there and find yourself a new love. Absolutely. And if you need some new music to listen to with that new love, then you should be listening to Seven Ways Till Sunday. Slow uh, down. Now, <laughs> now, this is available right now on all digital platforms and can be purchased physically at steveaugiri.com. So I want to get that out there before I forget it. Um, Steve, this album was produced by a guy named Steve Augieri. Is he easy to work with? He's in the room too. Is he easy? That's a very interesting question. Uh, well, for starters, uh, I became a bit of a control freak. And also the mere fact that I started re really putting the record together in isolation, um, the, the, the responsibilities, whether whether premeditated or not, fell on my shoulders. So first and foremost, we, I started um, trading files with some other side musicians, but I found it was not um, an easy task to do long distance because that's how we met, uh, mixed the record, and that was difficult enough. So I wound up taking on the majority of the responsibility of the, the instruments. And then there were a handful of times where I brought in uh, Adam Holland and Craig Pullman from my band, keys and guitar. Because mm -hmm. I play, I've always called it stunt guitar. It's <laughs> just, it gets me through. I play like a, like a sing, kind of like a, like a Rocky Balboa. I go out there and I just, I'm a brawler. Um, these other guys I brought in are tweaked and they're perfectionists and they're professionals. And so I, when I needed the heavy hitters, I brought in a saxophone player from Atlanta by the name of uh, David Friedman, who plays with the Yacht Rock people in Atlanta who are fabulous. I brought in a fiddle player from Nashville by the name of Megan Mullen, who's who's so elevated. These two people elevated the record and gave it a color, two colors that I would have never had. Um I know I'm f forgetting somebody. I brought Marge Raymond on background vocals on a song called Un uh, Unanswered Prayers. Sweet angel on my shoulder, I have an unanswered prayer. Before it gets much colder, tell me. And Marge is famous, certainly in my eyes. She used to sing background vocals for Aerosmith and ELO. Wow. And the next time you hear Evil Woman from ELO, give a listen for the, the female voice. And it's little Margie. Nice. And she's a little gal, but she could blow the roof off. And she's super. So I have her. Through the years, she's always recorded me when I needed a voice to just do something I couldn't do and just elevate something. and give it a di different dimension. So a big shout out to Miss Marjorie Raymond. 
And I do want people to know that just because this is your first proper solo album doesn't mean that you haven't been making music because for about the past, I don't know, 10 or 11 years, you've been dropping singles uh, on digital platforms, uh, starting with a song, I believe, called Riverside, which I think is just fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Riverside is actually the beginning of a a really great um, songwriting team that especially developed or really came to fruition for this record, Seven Ways Till Sunday, because at a minimum of three of the songs were created by Craig Pullman, Adam Holland, and myself in that nature. And then one, we brought in a, a ringer of a, a, a lyricist by the name of Susan Piazza, a neighbor of mine here in Staten Island, and she's quite a literary poetic woman who great with words. And she took my, again, um, you know, basic street wise words, my kind of normal. And she just took it to, just enriched it with some, a little more class. So that really sparkled up that song, Bated Breath is what that is. With bated breath and bended knee I pray and earnest she comes back to me Without a word, without a fight I let her slip away into the night Oh, well, I'm strong, but I'm not that strong I pray the world loosens its grip on me So, yeah, so getting back to your question, um, I needed to let the audience know that I was still uh, alive and I needed to know that I was still creating. So even if it was just one song, two songs a year, I thought it was at least important to do that. And and maybe even more so for myself to, to remind myself, you're still relevant. Go out there and, you know, write a song, record it, put it out and... Uh, you know, with or without a record label, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, just like the kids down the street are doing the same thing, you know, recording in their basement, in their in their bedroom, on their laptop. And so I had a, an advantage that I, I once sang with a, a wonderful band by the name of Journey. And so that I'm going to have a little head, you know, a head start on them, a little leg up. But I'm still their fans. I still right. have my ears listening to them, you know. So when I picked this album up, I was hoping uh, that... 
that you didn't just cobble together all those singles and release them together. And you did not do that. So thank you. Cause that would have been easy to do. It would have been easy to, once you got to these 10 singles over, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years to just put them all together and release them. But you didn't do that. You went full on in and you created a complete uh, album for the fans. Right. Well, well, to, to just put that, that thought to rest, I had, that was always my intention, mm-hmm. except it never happened. And just when I thought I was going to put that little collection together, COVID came and I thought I had a, you know, a pocket full of, or, you know, a suitcase full of songs and ideas that had never seen the light of day. And, uh, I, I, not so much panic, but I thought, you know, this is, this will be my legacy that I'd like to leave, uh, you know, self-expression. I'd right. like to be able to, you know, tell my story. I've always been a conduit to other people's songs. And that's great, especially if it's written by Neil Sean and, and uh, Jonathan Kane, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, so you have to imagine I've picked up a couple of things along the way and, and, uh, and learned a few tricks from them and, and through my experience with them. And then at my age, you have to look at the, the silver lining is you finally develop um, ex- life experience. And uh, when I was 20 years old, I couldn't write these songs the way I could write them at 60. So, uh, you know, I don't want to scare you youngins there. When you hear the word 60, it's truly the new 40. So and I think you're going to you're going to think that when you hit that bell, the 60 bell. Um, so anyway, uh, it was important to to get these things off my chest and get them out there for, you know, whether I mean, I, I hope that it's it's not so much well received, but I hope people um, get an opportunity to hear them. Right. So that because um, music, I don't want to sound like a scatterbrain here, but music in our lifetime, sadly, is, uh, you know, kids are started watching you know playing video games and and the rock and roll bands that were in garage bands and 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 uh basement bands rather than picking up a stratocaster or you know a pair of sticks to play on their ludwig drums or whatever they started playing nintendo and on and on and on right so we lost a lot of great creative musicians to a toggle you know a game game board. that's true that's a good way to put it yeah. So, uh, but that's life, you know, uh, you know, we used to, we used to ride around on horses and then, and then, uh, steam engines and then came the car and now somebody else, you know, some computers are going to drive us in a car or something. So no, now it's Uber, isn't it? <laughs> well, the saving grace now though, is so many of these classic rock songs are being used in TikTok videos. My daughter's 18 and she'll be singing a song and I'll, come into her room and I'll go, how do you know that song? She's like, oh, it's in a TikTok video. Like she is so into Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks right now, just from TikTok and other, you know, places. Yeah. You know, that's uh, and that's a great tribute to Stevie and Fleetwood Mac and any other band that's been, uh, you know, that's kept, Kept in the not so much the limelight, but just in the conscious, the in 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 our minds. Um, I mean, what a great! I mean, in fact, my wife, I just bought her rumors for Christmas because, you know, 
that's where her heart lies. She loves yeah. that band. She loves that record. And uh, every once in a while, you just have to buy another one uh, every five years because they get lost or whatever. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's true. But that but that would always I think that's always been true for most music. The the cream rises to the top, right? And we'll always listen to Rhapsody in Blue. We'll always listen to Beethoven's Fifth. You know, um, Jailhouse Rock. And on and on. You know, there's always those key iconic songs that will always be there. Like, um, and, and Journey will definitely attribute to this and agree. Don't stop believing. Yeah. Which, uh, and then, and then just um, separate ways comes and make another, makes, you know, raises its head out of the blue and, and, and uh, appears on one of the most popular shows on, uh, on television. And that was a kick in the butt, wasn't yeah. it? That was beautiful for them. Amazing. Yeah. So again, the album is Seven Ways Till Sunday. Why, where did that title come from? Why did you choose that as your title? Well, I think if you ask any songwriter, um, putting together a song, putting a lyric together with a melody and a certain cadence and a certain phrase, a melodic phrase, it's a little tricky. But then sometimes it just... It comes together. Sometimes they're simultaneous. So um, Craig Pullman wrote this beautiful piano intro, sent it to, and and a series of chords and progressions. He sent it to our guitarist, Adam Holland, and Adam puts it through his filter and he, you know, he, he keys into this and that and he he tweaks it and he and he gets that, he he elevates it to another place, and then they drop it in my lap. And for me to get a uh also to see if there's, well, to develop a melody and a lyric for this particular song. And, um, you know, Seven Ways Till Someday, I know it sounds, I, I think uh, the technical phrase or a definition is something to do, to the effect that, uh, you know, every which way but loose, I always think of that um, Clint Eastwood movie title. Yeah. It's just, you know, however you need to get from point A to point B be or however whatever it needs to get the job done and in a lot of ways um this you know was a solo record that was long overdue that i was always in the back of my mind but never put you know put it in motion and this pandemic insanity the world coming to a screeching halt and perhaps the end of the world motivated me so if that doesn't do it what will gotcha and okay that was, that was probably on the seventh day <laughs> <laughs> the album kicks off with magic and that's a perfect introduction into what's going to follow on this record really great song i just love it so much
I'll give you a little background on that real quick. When I, I had bought a, I had bought a, uh, one day I treated myself to a GL Strat a Telecaster. In fact, it's back here. I don't know if you can see it. I see it. it. Nice. And uh, I got it on this around Christmas time. I bought myself a Christmas present. And it was, uh, I guess it was 19, Christmas of, of 2019. So I was fiddling around and that guitar bit, the guitar part came to me. And um, it sounded like Bruce Springsteen and the Foo Fighters. And I was calling it Foostein or, <laughs> or Spring Fighters. It was one of the other. That was the main <laughs> title. Um, and then I handed it off to uh, uh, Adam Holland, my guitarist, and he really did a great job. We we combined. This is one of the one of the records where I I, I brought somebody in to help me again with the lyrics, apart from Susan Piazza. So Adam has a, has a great sensibility, all around writer, and um, and. After it was finished, I think it had, to me, it had a sort of a, uh, a cheap trick kind of quality. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, I'm talking out of a uh, turn, but it's just all the, I love cheap trick and I love their sense of power pop, their yeah. power pop, you know, their style. And so one of my favorite songs is Dream Police of theirs. Oh my God. I mean, if Robin and the guys, if you're listening to this ever, or somebody gets it out, one of my favorite songs of all time. Well, this is funny, Steve, because you don't know me, but the listeners definitely do from 13 years of doing this show. Uh, Cheap Trick is my number one favorite band. Ouch. Yeah. Nice. So for you to bring that up, it's pretty. It's, I, I have a signed oh. copy of Dream Police on my wall right now oh. that I can see. You know, uh, to me, Dream Police is to music as the Godfather is to movies in that if I'm watching television. And I'm changing the channels. And if it's in the middle of the movie, I just have to go get some popcorn, sit down, and I'll have to watch it again. Right. And again and again, because uh, that song just, uh, it's just perfection to me. There's so many things going on in that song. The 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 drum intro and the the spoken word by Rick in the middle and just yeah. ev everything about it. It sounds yeah. like there's strings on it, but I don't know if there are. It's really wild. Yeah. yeah. And for, for us, uh, it was the hardest song to mix because it had a little bit too much information, too many tracks that we were juggling and it was fighting all kinds of frequencies and everybody was trying to get their head above water to be heard. So my mixer, Steve Mandel in Asheville, he was, you know, he was pulling his hair out of his head. And, but, um, you know, we finally, we finally settled on a final mix because if we hadn't, we would have probably done another 10 
Makes right, it ten passes on it. Now, when you come yeah. up with a, a guitar riff like that, do you have a tape rolling at all times? Are you ever worried that you're going to forget what you just came up with? Yeah, you know, back in the day, it used to be a little. Um, it used to be a little handheld handheld Sony, right? Little yeah. thing like that. And nowadays, on your iPhone, you have the. Uh, I, I don't know if it's called Notes or some kind of memos or something. And uh, thank God for that, because. Uh, you know, it's always there in your pocket and you could be walking down the street or you could wake up. I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, you wake up and you have a melody or, or an idea in your head. In fact, um, on my next record, and there's going to be another one, well, maybe we don't have to talk about that now, but <laughs> I was in Hawaii with a, a, this doing a show and I woke up in the middle of the night with a, with a, a melody and it was my verse. So I went back. I, so I spit it into the into the phone and I put it down. And I went back to bed and I woke up later, and then had another idea and it was a pre-chorus. So I just you know put down the melody and I you know, popped it back down and went back to sleep. And then I woke up again and I woke up four different times and four different ideas came to my head. I swear to you, it's a peculiar thing. It really happened, and I had an entire song's melody, not lyric, but melodies. Chorus, verse, bridge, and it all happened in a dream. And you are living, breathing, and dreaming music, Steve. Yeah, I think when you do, I think, I think, yeah, when you're obsessed, that's what happens. Yeah. So there's two songs on the album that are collaborations with your former Journey bandmates. Never yeah. Far From Home with Jonathan Kane and Desert Moon with Neil Sean. Now, my yeah. question is, are these two newly written tracks or are these some holdovers from the journey days holdovers. yeah holdovers okay. um so i had uh, real quick uh never far from home was a song it was called never far from home however but the refrain was it's times like these i know it's times like these okay and shortly thereafter and it goes back to i think it's the it was just before uh, the Foo Fighters released their big hit. Yeah. Times Like These. Right. And, you know, I had showed the song to John and he just, you know, shook his head. He said, we can't do, you can't do this. So he came back one day with a, a new melody and lyric for the chorus and fixed it up quite nicely, I must say. So that's how he, he fixed that. So that, I, I don't recall the date, but I know I checked the Foo Fighters release date. And it was prior to it. I, okay. I guarantee that's why we changed it. Yeah. Between a thousand leagues or more under the deepest sea. I gotta get myself to show somebody someone rescue me. So that I
the Neil uh, co-write was a song. Is a song called, uh, and I love this song equally as well. It, but I really do because it's um, it's a heavier song, and it, I think it's the heaviest song on the record. Yeah, and um, Neil and I, Neil would always get to rehearsal before everybody because he he wants to play twenty four seven. So he, I, I walk in early just because I'm a fish out of water. I'm in, uh, I guess I'm in New York time, right? Yeah. So I'm on East Coast time. So I'm waking up at the, before the crack of dawn. So I drive to a rehearsal studio. I'll try to make a very long story short. And uh, Neil's there. So he starts, he's got this little bit he's playing. And so I jump on the drums and Dean's got his mic there. And we just start playing. And I'm a, I'm a fair drummer. But I like to write, and so we we started fiddling around and started singing a melody, and then it developed, and we got a chorus, and now we've got a body of a song. And I remember running it by the band and even jamming on it with the band. But uh, we were in the process. I want to say we were in the process of doing Generations. And it just, uh, it didn't click. You know, everybody, there were songs here and there were songs there. And it just didn't make the cut. Yeah. But of course, I filed it away because I knew there was something something to it. And uh, lo and behold, when it came time to, you know, when the world was coming to the end and, and I said, I've got to do this record. Uh, I always knew that there was a song in the back of my mind that needed to be finished. So desert moon. So, um, and, and that's it. So, uh, and to be very honest with you, I could not play. I couldn't come close to playing what Neil ever played. Right. It was just, it was gorgeous and it was intricate and it was complex. So I had to break it down to the most common denominator. Uh, uh, one of my first records was Kiss Kiss. I mean, one of my first bands that I ever loved after the Beatles um, was Kiss and Humble Pie. Humble Pie then Kiss. So I had three chords and, you know, probably played it all with one finger. And then we built it, and I brought it into my again another guitar. It's probably the, the guitar song of the record as well. Yeah. So it's the two of us, myself and Adam Holland, sharing the guitar uh, duties. And um, and to be honest with you, I have to mention this: I, I've played bass on the record, and I think I probably got more joy playing bass on the, this record than all the other instruments. And the beauty of this particular song and the bass on this record. Is not what I played, but what I didn't play. And I'll explain that by who's one of my favorite bass players is Chris Squire. And Chris had a had a uh, a knack, and, and so did Tony Levin, to leave huge holes. You know, he plays something, 
and then he'd leave, stay out and let you know the band take over or vocal team. And so this is my opportunity to pay homage to Mr. Squire. Nice. As feeble-minded a bass player as I am, but just the same. Uh, you learn, uh, you know, uh, no matter what you do in life, you pick up information. If you don't, it's foolish. So you try to pick up the good habits and the good moments of, you know, each and every one you ever cross, cross paths with when, ever since you're a child until you, to the day, you know, you say sayonara, right? So that was my little piece of information I got from Chris Squire. Very cool. Uh, I want to go back to the Journey days. I want to go back to, in 1996, Journey released Trial by Fire, the reunion album with Steve Perry. And my friends and I were so excited. Journey's back together, the classic lineup. And then no tour happens. And there's no internet really at that point where you could get all your info. So we really didn't know what was happening. And then in 1998, I go see a movie called Armageddon. Yeah. And I find the soundtrack and I find out there's there's a Journey song on here, Remember Me. And it's billed as Journey featuring lead vocals by Steve Ajiri. Was Crazy. that the way to let people know that? Because I wasn't sure if, well, are they just, is Journey just using this guy for this one track? Or is this the way that they really want to introduce Steve Ajiri to the public and let them know that this is, this is the new guy, this is right. who we're going with? Right. Well, you can only imagine that uh well the band didn't want to but more than anything steve didn't want to mr perry didn't want his the fans his fans equally of course yeah some people would even say more so his fans didn't want them to be ban bamboozled right think steve or jerry steve perry a little similarity there and so uh they made a they made a conscious decision to put even the label on the record. And so for me, <laughs> I was like, wow, fantastic. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like the name at the top of the movie poster. Yeah. It's like Schwarzenegger yeah, but, over yeah. the Terminator poster. But again, it was all, for the, all the right reasons. They needed yeah. to differentiate the fact, differentiate the fact that Steve's it's not Steve's voice. It's a, it's a new Steve. It's a different Steve. Most importantly, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was quite an interesting, um, interesting story. We got an in, into that soundtrack under the wire, yeah, and uh, 
I brought about 20 people to a local theater in, in uh, downtown by Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And I brought all my friends and family and, you know, spent a fortune on movie tickets. You know what that's like, right, these days. And we sat the entire movie, sat the entire movie. And uh, now here come the credits rolling. Yeah. This is it. Watch everybody. Everybody watching. Don't leave. Don't leave, right? And we get to the final credit. And it rolls. And you know what? Now there's nothing left on the screen. And <laughs> everybody's looking at it like this. So that was the curse. The curse had begun. <laughs> so it appears during the movie, there's a, a scene where an asteroid hits a taxi cab. Yeah. And crushes the roof. And for not even a second, but a millisecond, you hear, remember me, you hear, re and we got that much out. So I don't know what, that might have been a political kind of thing going on there. Someone might kind of, might have tightened the screws on somebody and said, you know, we could give you this much, but we can't give you that right. much. Now that soundtrack sold a ton of records. Do you have a platinum album award from that soundtrack? have a seven times platinum album. Wow. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine, and they get probably prematurely because it, it had to, I'm sure it must have risen after that. Yeah. But there was a lot of great music on that, especially, you know, uh, Mr. Tyler and the, and the Smithies. Yeah. I don't want to miss a thing. They're, they're only number one. Yeah. So we, you know, we kind of went along for the ride in a lot of respects, but, um, you know, journeys now, uh, Nothing to sneeze at. So no, no. So then we really get the official look at a Steve Ajiri fronted journey with the album Arrival. Yeah. And Steve, I'm just going to say it. For me, you were the perfect fit for that band. Thank you, you you're the red leather pants and the white shirt and, and the hair. You looked so cool and your interaction and your stage presence with the band it, you fit right in in my opinion it was like you weren't like a new guy coming in trying to to you know assert yourself you were the new singer and you were part of this band and arrival is one of my favorite journey albums i mean thank you starting with higher place. I mean, I, I, I've just listened to that song so many times. It's just such a fantastic song and such a fantastic album.
I have to cut. <laughs> I should let you just keep on going because my, my ego <laughs> I could. I was at the right place at the right time, and I knew the right person. It's who you know. And a, a, a fellow guitarist uh, from Brooklyn had befriended and worked with Neil Sean, Joe Chaffaloo, and he's a substitute guitarist in my band when my when we need him, he'll come in and play guitar and bass. Anyway, he put the music in, in their hands. But it could have been so many other folks i mean because there's just there's a lot of folks out there they just never get the opportunity they don't have uh they don't have their joe chefalu to pass on the music they don't have that the in, the lines don't intersect just you just might miss two inches they might miss a mile mm. but this was my time in my lifetime and it came at age 38 which i was i had a fellow steam cleaning my studio the other day who's 37 and he's a singer. And I said, listen, bro, you got, you know, I, it happened for me at 38. Never give up your dream. No. So, so that's, you know, I, I would have never dreamt that I would have, you know, one day gotten a, a call and, and the opportunity and an audition of a lifetime. And so, uh, and so, yeah, you know, uh, they were also gracious to bring me into their writing team, not right away, but they felt me out and I was, Luckily enough, lucky enough to uh, to add a couple of you know moments on the record and songs on the record because um, that's just the way we were back then. It was uh, it was healthy. It was a very happy situation. Things were beautiful. Yeah, and, uh, yeah we we made a great record. I'm proud of that record. Yeah, one of my favorite co-writes on the album is uh, with you and Eric Bazilian to be alive again. Such a great song. I had the opportunity to work with Eric in Germany for a month. Um, and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, uh, was the assistant engineer on the first Hooters record, maybe even the second one, John in Yellow, who actually helped me with pre-production on this record on Seven Ways to Sunday. Anyway, Eric Basilian, what a dynamite guy. Love him, love him, love him. Talented, holy smokes, and a huge superstar in Europe, especially yeah. in Spain. And Germany. And humble. Oh, smart, too. Just smart, too, man. Yeah, and, and talented up the wazoo. So yeah. another thing about you in Journey, and I'm sorry for all the compliments, but <laughs> uh, you, you weren't trying. Day. I'll take it. You weren't trying to sound like Steve Perry. Your voice just naturally fit with singing that catalog. I mean, in the um, Dean says it in the uh, in the behind the music, 
He says, when you hear him sing the first line of Separate Ways, you're going to say, oh, my God, it's Steve Perry with a perm. That live video, uh, Journey Live 2001, still gets popped into the DVD player here because I just love hearing you sing those Journey songs and the new songs too, like All the Way. I kiss you when I feel you pull away. It hurts me when I see Mistakes I've made, wish I could take them back. Say it's not too late to hear you speak your name. Listen, don't go back and we'll find what's missing. I'll take you all away. Close your eyes and think forever. If you believe in the gold again. I mean, it was just, it was just perfect for me. And I was lucky enough to see you with Journey uh, a couple of times. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You, I have to say, uh, so I have to be completely honest with you. Um, so imagine New York City, it's 19, late 80s, late 80s, mid 80s, late 80s. And I'm working and recording and getting spec deals here and there and, you know, recording for free and Getting, not some, not getting my name out, but just learning the ropes as uh, and paying my dues. And uh, I remember shopping some music with three, four Toll Stories. Toll Stories was a band called Maestro, and it can it it, it was myself and three really wonderful uh, Brazilian musicians. And uh, we shopped us uh, 
a group of songs, a collection of songs to Sony, Epic probably, the same label that I finally ended up on. And they came back and they said, now you guys sound like, uh, and it probably wasn't such a terrible thing, you sound like a cross between Charday and Journey. Steve Perry sang with Charday, and I thought that was interesting because it it was kind of it was true. We had these beautiful, you know, Brazilian rhythms and and uh, I and I guess a, a melodic sensibility or R and B kind of delivery that Steve might have given it. You know, um, by the way, anytime I'm ever put uh, my name is mentioned in the same sentence, whether it's the same sentence. Or from the beginning of the book or the end of the book, it's an honor because that's how much I think of Steve and, and what he's done and what his voice is. <laughs> Here's what I want to ask you. In 2005, Journey gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. And when I saw the picture that I think everyone was there, I think, except Greg, at least the pictures I've seen, I never, was Greg there that day? I think he was, but... Now, now I'm not sure. It's yeah, been a but but I mean, it was everyone that had ever been a member in Journey: Ainsley Dunbar, yeah. uh, Steve Smith, George yeah, Tickner yeah. was there. All mm -hmm. you guys are there. Big smiles. You have your plaques. Is that the first time you meet Steve Perry? Absolutely, yes. And I was probably uh, just as tickled or just as intimidated as the, as the fans were more sure. so absolutely more so. And, um, I wish, I wish I was more forward and more aggressive and would have pushed a conversation on him. I think, uh, Larry David calls it foisted. I wish I had, <laughs> um, because unfortunately we were sort of like two ships passing in the night. Okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to guess why I can assume, but that's just how it happened. And that's, and I wish, you know, but uh, maybe someday, maybe someday. Well, I, I'm, I'm always impressed that Steve Perry will show up at these things. He doesn't disappoint the fans. He knows that he's part of the legacy and I, I love that he shows up and, and makes an appearance, whether it's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or at this Hollywood Walk of Fame. And because um, that means something, because when Peter Cetera didn't show up to play with Chicago, it's kind of disappointing for Chicago fans yeah, that yeah. Um, that you can't for one night just accept the yeah, award. Sure, I mean, I that's agree. yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, I could only, you know, I did an interview a little 
last week and uh, I got caught off guard with a question. Uh, and and I just want to maybe take this opportunity to kind of rectify that question, rectify it, and maybe just put a little dot on it and cross All right. the teeth. Someone had asked me if Journey had ever asked me back to, you know, to sing with them. And I kind of jumped ahead of myself without really truly ex- uh, expressing myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and, and I, by the way, I said no, but. What I really meant to say was, if they needed somebody in a pinch, if there was something, if 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 they had a commitment that absolutely had to go through, and they needed somebody, and if I had O'Neill's blessing, I would show up for one day gladly and do it in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, mind you. But I'm going to say this with all honesty and all sincerity. And it kind of answers some of your que- the, question, the previous question. Mm. Um, it's like uh, it, it's as deep as a marriage, as close as a marriage. And when I could only imagine if one spouse, you, 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 you change partners. Um, there's, a, there's, a bond, there's a connection that uh, you'll always... You know, no matter if if, um, if Sister Teresa walked into the spot, you would uh, you would not be a hundred percent happy that Sister Teresa's got the microphone because that's your position. Right, you made that yours. You put that on the map. That's your face is on Mount Rushmore because of that, and Steve's face is there. See, yeah. So. Uh, I always try to put myself in someone else's shoes if I don't quite understand, if I'm trying to, you know, have a tug of war in my head and trying to, you know, rationalize things. And that's what I sort of thought about Steve. You know, he he's kind enough to say hello. But if I were him, maybe I'd just save it for another day. And, and I think that's what he did that day. Um, so getting back to if I were asked, and by the way, I was not. And... Uh, that's another thing I need to clarify. I was never asked. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were, I would do it under those conditions because I would never like to put Arnell in that position either. Right. I think he's a wonderful singer. He's been so great for this band. He is the goose that lays the golden egg. And they have to remember that too. And that's that's something I just want to put out there too. He's uh, you know he's carried them on. They've able to play their wonderful music that they've created. These golden songs, uh, you know, these gems. They they need that guy. They need that singer, that voice to do it. I had it for a while. Also, I said that I wouldn't be capable. Well, you know, I'd be capable if I was able to take a day off in between each. You know, I could do. Sing one day, not the next day. Sing. Yeah. Um, singing, so- singing the Journey catalog live night after night has to be one of the most taxing jobs in music. It could be. If you're not 100% up to it, Yeah, you'll slowly, you know, it, it'll get the better of you. Yeah. But there are ways, that, you know, there are strategies and they develop that strategy after Steve and I they finally came to their senses and say, well, how are we going to sustain <laughs> Mr. Panetta? How are we going to do this with this guy? Because, you know, 
we fools not we you'd be foolish not to uh, open your eyes and just and just adjust and make you know evaluate and adjust and they did yeah and that's why they're you know they're going strong till today because of Arnell. yep that's true yeah. yeah uh 2005 you guys go into the studio to record the second journey album with Steve Argeri on lead vocals it's called mm-hmm. generations right but on this album I don't know whose idea it was, but now every member is going to sing lead vocals on some songs. And I'm talking even Ross, who's never sang before, to my knowledge, has a track on there. How did that sit with Steve Augieri? Did you think that was a cool idea or were you kind of like, hey, guys, this is that's my slot? No. All right. So it was a necessary not an evil, but it was necessary because I was experiencing vocal issues. I was having, uh, I was just was, and uh, that was a great solution, frankly. Um, and everybody does sing. And so, you know, why not? There were, I think there was only one song that I really wish I had the opportunity to sing. And that was Jonathan's generations, the title track. I thought that was a standout track and a really, really great. Song. I thought that could have been, you know, a radio hit, if yeah. anybody had radio hits anymore. Um, but apart from that, it was actually saving my my ass. Okay, and, I understand. Now I get it. And then you go out the following year for the tour, and it'll do the very same thing for a live show. It'll give me that break that I'm, you know, if I'm just, if I need five minutes break, it'll be there. And All so right. that's that's what it did. But um yeah, that was that was the situation. In fact, okay. I remember um, we had done "Faith in the Heartland," which was a strong song, and I think that was as good of as any song on Arrival. Yeah, it kicks off the album. And I remember Neil being very, very critical of that. My first, I delivered the vocal from New York City and sent it out. And he just, he just like, uh uh-uh. He says, you're phoning it in. You better do this again. And he was 100% right. Because I, at that time, I was guarding my voice and I was guarding my instrument because uh, I'd had it been beat up enough times, you know, once bitten, twice shy, right? Ian Hunter. That was his his yeah. um, his quote. Um, and so I went back to the studio and uh, and gave it two hundred percent. And and uh, he was one hundred percent right. He was right. You were right, Neil. <laughs> now it's I'm glad that you that we're talking about that song because after you were gone and the first album with Arnell is Revelation, they re-record that song. That album goes 
platinum. Right. Did you receive a platinum award since you co-wrote that song for that album? I did. Yes, I did. And that must be bittersweet because here's it a is platinum journey album. But, but we all knew that was a great song. And I yeah. understand, I understand fully why they did it. Um, so, you know, I get it. I 100% yeah. get it. It's the music I just, business. I, I wish I wish the business was that of years ago because if that were the case, if it went platinum, then I uh, I'd be sitting somewhere. Uh, we'd be uh, have this uh, interview by a beach somewhere <laughs> in uh, you know on my private island. But that's not the case anymore. You know, spot of you know they may have sold that many records, but it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. So the generation tour starts. And then I don't know if this is difficult to talk about, but then what, what happens? The, the voice just gives out. It's you're just not able to do I it just, to the extent that they need you to or want you to. Yeah. I just was, uh, I just wasn't in shape. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll try to keep an, an, again, another long story short prior to the, now I was, I've always been up and down and I'm not to say a lot of singers aren't, but I was, up and down uh, vocally, not as consistent as I wish I had, and certainly not when I first started Journey. Mm. But just before, uh, just months before the beginning of that tour, we were somewhere in the Midwest, Mex New Mexico to be exact, and I contracted some kind of thing. I think they called it Valley Fever because the real name of the, the medical term is just impossible to, uh, to articulate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it was this crazy bug that we didn't realize uh, the diagnosis until months afterwards. And it literally, uh, uh, as, as close as being paralyzed as possible. In other words, one day I woke up like a, a week or a week and a half after coming home and my joints and I just couldn't, were black and blue, swollen, huh. and I couldn't get out of bed. And uh, that was the beginning was certainly that was the nail. Someone was starting <laughs> tapping the nail on the coffin. I could hear it. Here comes the the journey's end, as they say. <laughs> so uh, that really put me behind the eight ball, and and because of this illness and this pneumonia, it was actually a pneumonia. Okay. And uh, hospitalized. I was hospitalized, and uh, it just never, it never, I never quite recovered as as much as i needed to in order to start a, a tour with you know the, the wonderful the mag, you know the the magnitude of def leopard this was going to be the big one and it was the big one yeah um, and i just was going out there i think it was probably by the sixth show that we would you know it just wasn't clicking i wasn't uh achieving the quality that was necessary for this kind of tour. But let me just also say, and this is something that I never said. Uh, so this is an exclusive. <laughs> I, uh, I went to, somebody suggested to go to a specific, a specific vocal coach, and I won't name the name. But I will tell you that he was, at the time, Bono's vocal coach. And... I went to this fella and I would go in and out twice a week, three times a week. And he'd put me through the same regimen. 
Now here I am, imagine a picture of bird, my metaphors, I'm like a bird with a broken wing. And he keeps on throwing me off the Empire State Building. <laughs> and I'm flapping my wings and it's like, oh, Jesus, oh, I can't do this. And by the time, you know, so what happened was I wound up getting worse with each and every session with this particular professional. He literally beat me into the ground. And I would go back and forth and I say, this is the same thing we did last time. Right. And I've gone to therapists and they, you know, they feel you out. They say, oh, this is what's happening. Let's adjust this. Like a chiropractor. Oh, this muscle did this. Well, you're going to do this. And this cat just kept on laying the same information on me. And uh, seriously, I never said this to anybody. And And I saw my bank account depleting too because I was going in there and knocking out other um other, other students and so it was like insult to injury literally figure uh literally yeah. injure you know and by the by the time we went out it was like i so that was a big mistake that's uh if anybody ever needs a good vocal therapist i can tell you who to go to you can you can message me you could write to me on steveorgeri.com and i'll tell you who to go i'll never drop the other fellow's name whoops right that's 50% there, isn't it? I said so. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One more journey question, then we'll get back into some Steve Ajiri solo stuff. You performed out here. I saw you and I met you after the show. I don't expect you to remember that. But uh, it was it was at an outdoor shopping uh, mall in Los Angeles called The Grove. And you, were, yeah. you performed there with... Uh, uh, John Payne's Asia. Yeah. Now, what I remember about that night is <laughs> I, believe, I believe your set list was entire classic journey songs. Like you didn't sing an arrival song or a generation song or anything, but sometimes when, and so this is the business end. Sometimes when you're booked to perform, is that in your contract that the people want you to only play those songs? No, no, it's not. Although the promoters would love to have it in the contract, right? So you kind of battle. You, I'm sorry. You, you balance. You, you straddle that line, and you know, you know, you can feel out certain situations, whether it's the audience or whether it's just the or the promoter. Um, and then if you have an hour as opposed to an hour and a half, then you really have to watch it. Yeah. But I'm, surp- I'm surprised we didn't at least play higher places that you mentioned, Frank. Yeah, I don't I I don't remember that you did because, you know, I just e- expressed my love for higher place. I had a funny, funny story. Go ahead. I, I, about that show. Okay. I'll, I'll say this first. It's funny because since you were no longer in Journey, when after that show, when people would say, oh, how did Steve Algieri sound? You sounded great. It was wonderful. And I, I feel bad that you have to go through probably people, you know, without seeing you recently or whatever, wondering how you sound. And you, for me, well, you sounded great. 
So I appreciate that. But here's the funny part of that. Okay. So, so we're coming to LA and we hadn't been there for a while. And of course, you know, New York City at one time and LA was music, the two music capitals. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, it's Nashville. But um, but whenever you go to LA, it's it's like uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. So uh, we got to make sure everything's just right. And now we're playing with Jonathan uh, John Payne, who's a good great friend of mine and really talented, one of the greatest bass players I've ever played with too, and a hell of a singer. Yeah, I, I just let me. I just want to interject. Yeah, uh, he he was a perfect replacement for John Wetton because the timber of his voice is perfect to sing those classic songs too. So I just want to interject that so people and know. Some. And then he's got and his then thing. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's got his he's he's just he's he's uh, something else. Okay, continue. Um, so we, we're doing a sound check, and uh, we had a great sound check, right? And uh, and you have to be on your A game when you when you. I love playing with cats like that, great bands, great musicians, because you don't sit back. You just really try to bring your A game, A plus. Yeah. So we had a sound check and we bring and we great sound check. Same thing with John. John does it too and has great sound. We're sounding good. And we're in this canyon of, you know, uh, retail shops and yeah. fine. It's a fun vibe, you know? Uh, so showtime comes and all of a sudden I go out and every time I bring the microphone to my lips, it's feeding back. That never happened or sound check. I mean, yeah. it's wailing. It's not even feeding back. It's like woo, woo, and I'm I'm losing my mind because it was perfection, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why, and then I'm gonna apologize. Uh, so it turns so the particular sound engineer that we were with, uh, he just thought it was a good idea to one up. John in Asia, he's going to bring the volume up, right? It's okay. Going to be louder than them, which is happens, you know, happens a lot. But in this this particular situation, it was screwing with me. I couldn't hear my voice. I had to sing like this, and that it would just put a serious wrench in my brain, <laughs> my mind, and my vocal performance. So if you said that, well, I'm I appreciate it, but I think you're being kind. Um. So to the point where in the middle of a, a line in the song, I had this beautiful German Neumann gold microphone. It had to cost like 10 times more than anybody else's sure microphone. And I never did a mic drop. I did a mic drop. And uh, I felt uh, at the time it was appropriate. But afterward, I felt like such a heel and such a bastard because the microphone literally did cost a couple of grand, I think, a couple of thousand dollars. It was gold plated. Oh my God. So um to this day I feel that was one of the times I lost my I it's so funny because I this is not my memory of that night at all, but I know as the performer, you you you're feeling it, you know, sometimes, you know, if you don't feel it's up to your what do I want to standards, your personal standards. Yeah, well well, when it's a technical thing, it's really maddening. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I'll, I'll, which which brings you to uh a story, a Michael Schenker story, and I. Uh, not many people know this, but I was once uh, part of his uh, 1984 Built to Destroy album. I was asked to go out and sing background vocals, 
And uh, I'm in Mississippi. Uh, no, it was in Arizona, I think. I think it might have been Tucson. And we're in the middle of the show, uh, beginning of the show. First 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and his monitor's feeding back at him. Now, Michael, at the t- you know, his signature is his black and white flying V. Yeah. Well, he took the, the neck of that flying V and he smacked it over the, the wedge and cracked the neck. Left. And we, we, we flew out of there. They t- pulled us out of there within five minutes so that we wouldn't be part of a riot. Wow. So the, the remainder of his tour, he got, somebody got a spoon, a silver spoon, flattened it out and repaired the neck with a silver spoon, put a couple of screws in it, a couple of, you know, holes. Um, but that's what a technical thing, when, when it's out of your control, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're guilty, if it's you, then you got to just muddle through and say, ah. But if it's something else that you have no control over, sometimes it's a little drives you a little crazy. I can I can only imagine what that's like to just play music every night and have to, you know, be at the top of your game every single show. You can't phone it in. And yeah, I mean, uh, I applaud anyone who, who, if you want to call them legacy artists, who is still out there and and just killing it. I mean. Like Cheap Trick, for example, that we named earlier. Right. Killing it. Yeah, killing it. Uh, uh, let's talk Let's talk about some boy. of these. Uh, Lover Boy, ahead. killing it. Mike Reno, killing it. Yeah, Mike Reno's been on the oh. show, and he is killing it. Mickey Thomas, killing it. Uh, unbelievable. Still, to this day, Mickey Thomas. You know, I, I have a list of folks that I've had the honor to to play with on these little one-offs here and there throughout my career the last 10 years. And uh, by the way, Lou Graham now, you know, he's had his problems here and there. Now, killing it. Killing it. Yep. These guys, I mean. Not kidding. Like to the point where we're like, oh, tears. You guys, somebody get a, a Kleenex because thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah, like Journey, that's another great catalog of songs, the Foreigner catalog. Absolutely. Let me talk about some of these digital singles that you released prior to your album, some of the ones sure. that I really love. Hours yeah. in the Day, love it. That's a co-write with an ex-band member on Taiketo, uh, Brooke St. James, who's just starting to release some song, uh, some new music now too, Brooke. Um, yeah, I was the other day was a is a nice little piece of power pop. Yeah, you know, high energy rock and roll. Yeah, I like that song a lot. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and with Adam Holland, Adam Holland, two guitarists that co-wrote that song with me. Yeah, 
And since you brought up Taiketo, uh, you were the lead singer on the album Shine from 1995. And right. I just want to give a shout out to the song Jamie. I just, that's a great one. I'll be the one who calls your name, Jamie. Did you think that your life was meant to pass you by? Jamie, reach out and take it in and weather try. Oh, all right. Thank you. You know, I uh, apart from, and I've said this before, and you know, I don't know if you know the history, it wasn't supposed to be a Taikido record because we had gone so far from the um, the band sound right. and the recipe. You know, we, we, we messed with the new Coke. We put out new Coke, and they, the people wanted the old Coke. <laughs> right. So uh, we pissed off the fans. We put out a good record, and it should have been under a different name, right? Um, but a good album. and uh, But another faux pas of that record, we couldn't get our heads uh, together for the cover. So it might be the worst album cover in rock and roll history. There's a, it's just literally two different ideas combined into one that just didn't chill. So someday what I'd like to do is reissue that with either with a new one, cover. With a new cover, either one of the ideas or the other idea, or just something brand new. But uh, speaking of album covers, Seven Ways Till Sunday, that's a nice album cover because, again, well, how do I want to say this? Sometimes, sometimes people that are legacy artists miss wildly on the album cover. It's too, they're trying to look too maybe look too young or they're trying, they just don't know what to do. And, and I think it's perfect. It's a nice picture of you. I like the, I like how the words go around in the circle. It's just, it's just perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there are so many, so many things to think about when you're putting a record together, whether you're a producer, you have to be, when you're in charge, you have to think of everything. Right. And God knows I've made a lot of mistakes, uh, missteps, not mistakes, missteps. And that's the learning. Uh, you know, next time I might tweak it, you know, just get it together. Uh, but um, just sequencing a record or just picking the songs first. When you have 20, you got to whittle it down to 10 and then you have to sequence them. So and so I was trying to sequence this record. And I just couldn't get it. I had the front good and the, and the back end was good. And I wanted it to, I wanted it to end really strongly. I didn't want it to be everything loaded in the front. And by the end right. of the record, you're like, oh, you. so I really wanted to balance that. But somewhere early in the middle, I was having trouble. And and I also was kind of missing an up-tempo rock and roll song. So this I, I did this is a slight, this is a misstep. I put out a song that I wrote. Um in fact, it's something I never said before. It was written, I wrote the song or had the concept for Dean Castronovo. 
And uh, if anybody knows Dean, Dean loves cars and he loves to drive. And so I'm talking about a song called Drive. Down that long road, yeah, that's where I'm free. Where the sky is below, yeah, that's where I'm However, when I wrote it, it had nothing to do with anything Journey-esque. It wasn't a Journey-esque song. It didn't yeah. have anything. I don't think it would ever have made it on a record. But I had the concept, the idea of, you know, it's like therapy, you know, getting in your car and and driving. And uh, I remembered the song and I said, let's let me put the song together real quick. And so in a flash, I, I developed the song, put together a track. And um, I couldn't, the fellow who did a great job mixing my record was unavailable. So I said, well, how difficult could it be? Well, <laughs> it's difficult when you, you know, when you're half a schmuck, can, <laughs> you know, just, you know, that's the truth. I mean, I, I just don't have the knowledge. I don't know how to EQ this or so long story short is, but I had to get the record out and I promised everybody. So I put out this one song that's, mixed kind of like this and okay. um and I, I got shit for it so i went back tweak a couple of tracks remixed it properly and we released it on the cd and so that's a there's a misstep for you if i ever heard one <laughs> so let's right. learn yeah live and learn steve i want to tell people where they can find you where they can get the album and uh i believe your next live show is on february 25th in riverside uh, well, Riverside yeah. County Fair in Indio, California. Almost LA area. So almost yeah. LA. I, I'm so bummed because the weekend you're here, I'm in Florida. Or well, else I'd be you. there. It'll happen again. Um yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Steve O'Jury band, we will be around all year. We're gonna be in Chile later in the year. We're gonna be mm -hmm. in Brazil later in the year. Uh, we're going to be on some floating ship for the seventies rock and romance. Nice. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm telling you, there's gonna be a lot, a lot of great music going on that day. Uh, that, that particular cruise rock and romance, seventies rock and romance. Speaking of Valentine's day, but, and the big news is that I'm joining Brett Michaels in the Brett Michaels party Gras tour this summer, which is going to be insane. It's going to be Mark, Mark McGrath. It's going to be with uh, Night Ranger and Jefferson Starship. So wow. that's going to be that's going to be a, a blast. That's a nice shot in the arm because uh, nobody does it like Brett Michaels. Nobody nobody puts it out like this guy, man. He's got energy to burn, energy and good vibrations, man. Yeah, good vibrations. There were fans, and then there were Brett Michael fans, right? And, and they. You know, it runs. It's it's just uh, it's something to be see. It's something to see him on stage and perform. It is so. It's going to be a blast.
All right, so here we go. Website, steveaugieri.com. Twitter, at Stephen Augieri. And Instagram is at Steve Augieri. Right. Not the biggest social media guru. That's okay. I'm I'm not that guy. But when I put something out, it's usually because I... I want to really do it. So, um, but come to the website. Uh, more than anything, I want you to come and look at the lyrics, whether you're listening to the music on YouTube or if you're if you have the CD or you get it from iTunes or Amazon, wherever you get it. But come see the lyrics. Come read the lyrics. Come see who's played on the record. All my friends and uh, what I haven't done are thank yous yet. So I'm starting to compile it. Maybe excellent. Uh, Maybe you will be on. Ooh. Uh, let me tell people this too. If you love this album, you need to go to iTunes or wherever you buy your digital music and you need to buy these other songs. Photograph, Rich Man's World, Behind the Sun, Home Again, Tin Soldier, Faces, In the Moment. You're going to have a whole other Steve Augieri album to listen to if you buy these tracks too. And you're going to love it. So, And I'll give it. World of Our Own, I think that's going to be, that's going to be your favorite, I think. I hope you like that one. Imagine the gifts that tomorrow brings. If our hearts could follow our dreams of yesterday. It's a good one. These are all good, Steve. The, you, you're you're doing great work. So I just want, my job is just for people to go find it and enjoy it the way I'm enjoying it. So I appreciate the album again is Seven Ways Till Sunday. It is out right now. You want a physical copy, go to steveaugieri.com. And my final question, Steve, it might be a difficult one, but I always ask the artist to choose a playout song Oh, I thought you were going to ask me to do long division because. <laughs> no, happened. no, no. A play. Oh, I have another question before I, uh, you live on Staten Island. You ever see that Pete Davidson walking around? I've never, and I've always wanted to, because I think he's, he's terrific. Have you, <laughs> if you ever seen his movie, it's dynamite. Uh, I have not uh, seen that movie yet. But... Of, King of Staten Island. I tell you, man, he just has heart. You know, your music has to have heart. Movies have to story. The story is brilliant. I love it. All right. I'll check it out because I've been meaning to because I love I love Judd Apatow movies and I just haven't seen that one yet. But yeah, from the new album, you have to choose a play out song. What are you going to choose? Let's do Seven Ways Till Sunday. All right. The title track. You got it. Everyone go buy this album and please enjoy Seven Ways Till Sunday. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. See you guys. See ya.
tried most hope can Must be something we both overlooked The most obvious of things And it ain't for lack of money All the time that we All the money and the cars All the time forever lost All the prayers we sent to save us now For the love of God I'm crying out I'm preaching out To everyone who'd hear me now The seven ways to And if every single place by the questions that you raised, then since you would never sleep at night, someone hold me tight. Could be a 